0: Hey fantasy fans, it's your favorite dungeon manager here. Before we start this episode, we just want to let you know that we talk about some pretty heavy stuff in it that some listeners might find troubling or uncomfortable. So we wanted to let you know before you start the episode. Of course, we try to be sensitive in all of our discussions, but some of the stuff we're covering is kind of serious. So listener discretion is advised.
1: Well, howdy there, me familia. It's me, over for the holidays. Good to see you. Oh, good to see you too.
0: Thanks for coming to our event.
2: Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. We've been looking forward to the holidays.
0: Well, come on in. Come on in. Take a look at all of our lovely decorations. Have a snack. Just, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. Oh, yeah.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Wow. uh, Some interesting stuff you got here. (laughs)
0: Thanks. I've just been getting ready for the big night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you been doing that? Well, you know, I've been putting out Christmas chains.
2: Yeah, you know, the colorful chains you make out of craft paper for your tree?
0: No, steel chains hanging all around the house for protection. What? Huh. Yeah, and you know what? I just am really anticipating hearing those hooves coming down the chimney. You mean... Going clip-clop on the rooftop?
2: Yeah, looking forward to those sounds of the holidays.
0: Sure, I mean, when you hear them scraping down your chimney, you know that it's almost time.
2: Wait, down the chimney? I don't get it. And you
0: know, when you see that big red sack coming, you just have to turn around, scream, and run for your life.
2: I don't know, I've never had that reaction to Santa's big red Bag of presents?
0: Santa? Who's Santa? I'm getting ready for Krampus.
2: Who's Krampus?
0: What's going on?
1: What is that? Oh boy, that doesn't look good. Oh
2: god know if i was naughty or nice this year
0: guys run run like you've never run before Ho ho ho, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel, here with my Holly Jolly co-hosts.
2: Oh boy. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, a gingerbread person that doesn't want to be eaten and just wants to create mayhem. That's what I was made for.
0: Do you also know how to use a nail gun to commit violence against people?
2: I'm more of an expert with the sharpened candy cane. Brutal. A Ah. shiv, as it were.
1: A more elegant weapon from a more civilized season. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But me? Who am I? Who are you? Whoa. (laughs) Why Why are you? When am I? How, How are you? Are you? <laughs> no one ever asks me that question. It's it's nice to hear. But Did
2: we already ask why are you? I yes.
1: think so. <laughs> but me, I'm Jack Olander, a Yule Lad.
2: Oh.
0: So what's your fun Yule Lad name? Uh, Poop Flinger. That's a good one.
2: Oh, that makes yeah, yeah. sense, you know. Yeah, I've yeah. seen you do that a lot of times.
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy. You just grab a handful and start flinging? Yeah,
2: and it's part of our proud primate heritage.
1: It's, uh, it's, you gotta be careful during the Yule season when you're on public transportation. Because if you yawn from sleepiness, someone will fling poo into your mouth.
2: (laughs) It's a well known problem most people have.
1: Yeah. It's happened to everyone. Make sure to get a good night's rest and a big cup of coffee, because no yawning on that work trip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I'm sure all of our listeners who are on public transportation right now listening are going to be very alert after hearing this little PSA. Yeah. That's true.
1: Anyone you make eye contact with could want to fling poop into your mouth.
0: Be careful listeners. <laughs> Watch out out there. It is Christmas time. Well guys, we have a hell of a movie to talk about this week. Mhm. Because we are going to be talking about the 2015 Christmas horror classic Krampus.
2: Krampus?
0: Krampus.
2: Ah, oh. <laughs>
0: Krampus. But you know, before we start talking about the movie, I think we should talk about something else that's festive for the holiday season, and that's our patrons. Yeah. Or what? Our patrons. Those are the people who go to patreon.com slash swordsandsatire and sign up to join one of our monthly membership tiers.
2: That sounds holly and jolly.
0: Exactly. I'm getting married just thinking about it.
2: And just think of all the cool extra episodes and art they'd have available to them should they do this.
0: That's true. They would also have the festive power to vote on movies we watch every month.
2: Sounds pretty hype.
0: But enough tooting of our own Christmas horns. (laughs) Honk. Why don't we talk about Krampus? This film was directed by Michael Doherty. It stars Adam Scott, Tony Collette. Woo! David Kochner, some children.
2: <laughs> and a dog.
0: A dog named Thor. Oh, yeah. Rosie in the film, Thor in real life. We know the dog's name, but not the kids.
2: Uh, I know the
0: characters of the kids, <laughs> uh, but the actors, not so much. Mm. Yes. But hey, anyways, I think Chelsea has a peppermint flavored summary. Pre-written, pre-scripted, and ready to go, and there will be no interruptions or any kind of tomfoolery to go along with it.
2: That's right. So, there's this family. They're the Angles.
0: Ah, Germans.
2: They live in a snowy place that gets snowy for the holidays.
0: We'll call it Anytown, Mm. USA.
2: There you go.
1: Oh, that's right next to where I Kill Giants takes place. (laughs) Coastal America. (laughs) Yeah, I
2: don't
0: think this is coastal America, though. No, this is snowy America. Yeah.
2: But snowy America is right next to coastal America, you see?
0: Yes, true. I am going to guess that the film was probably filmed in Canada. That's just conjecture on my part, though.
1: That's the only place we find snow these days. Hey, it's warming <laughs> up out
0: there. That wasn't why, but sure. That's a good reason.
2: So, yeah. This family, they've grown apart, but they're still getting together for the holidays. They are calling it Christmas in this movie.
0: Christmas is a holiday, I'm told.
2: Yep. They celebrate Christmas.
0: The Santacon.
2: <laughs> and they're, these two families... They're joined together by the two sisters, who are the two moms of both families, and none of them really get along, but they seem like they want to.
0: Yeah, they're trying real hard. (laughs) Hashtag relatable.
2: And our perspective character, Max, the Engels young boy, he's sad because he thinks that the family has lost the true spirit of Christmas. Presents? Uh, you know, there's that, but also the spirit of giving. Sacri- giving presents. Sacrifice and thinking of other people.
0: I have to sacrifice for Christmas? <laughs> My god. <laughs> what dark holiday hath you wrought?
2: So, Max, after some trials and tribulations, loses faith himself and tears up his letter to Santa. Uh oh, summoning Krampus.
0: Big fucking mistake, kid. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to all of you. Never, ever lose faith in Santa, or you too will be doomed.
2: Yes, the rest of the movie is them very rapidly, and their neighborhood very rapidly succumbing to a harsh winter chill brought on by Krampus's presence and presence. <laughs> His effervescent quality that kind of permeates around him. It's his aura of doom. Oh,
0: okay. I have one of those too.
2: Oh, yeah. And he brings all of his helpers, but they're not happy little helpers like Santa has. I mean,
0: they seem happy. Happy to cause terror.
2: And chaos.
0: (laughs) And murder. (laughs) I think Chelsea would be pretty happy with all of those things if if that was her job.
2: I would be one of the elves, I would say. The,
0: The Yorlads.
2: They had some pretty awesome fucking masks. Carved wooden masks.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
2: We can get more into that later. So, eventually, people in the neighborhood are picked off household by household. The Angles and their guests are the only ones who are really left standing. And they actually survive for a few days.
0: Yeah, they do pretty good in a snowstorm that strands them. And apparently they're totally nonplussed by the fact that all their neighbors are out of town. Except, well, it gets dark (laughs) in more ways than one.
2: Eventually the family members are picked off one by one after they're not able to withstand this onslaught. And the only one who's left standing is Max, the one who
0: The perpetrator. Yeah,
2: the one who summoned Krampus himself. Krampus gives him a bell with his name on it to signify this dark pact they have.
0: Remember me, boy.
2: Now, we, at one point, we did get a backstory of Max's grandmother, German grandmother named Omi, which is grandmother.
0: Wait, she has a grandma and her name was Grandma? That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm -hmm.
2: A grandma named Grandma. Uh, (laughs) She tells them her backstory and how she had summoned Krampus in her past, so she knew what was going on the whole time. And she had a similar bell. It would (laughs) almost
0: be like she could have, you know, warned Max that if he were to lose faith, then everyone would die. But she doesn't tell him that until much later.
2: playing it a little close to the chest. Yeah. So in her story, she kept the bell and moved on. But Max, when he receives the bell, he's not giving up. He goes after Krampus and his crew and demands that he gets his family back. When Krampus won't let up and they're about to sacrifice his last remaining cousin, Max's last remaining cousin.
0: Not Krampus's cousin.
2: Max is kind of defeated, and he says, I will sacrifice myself to save my family. And then Krampus pushes him down the well of molten lava.
0: <laughs> Bummer.
2: <And laughs> Into then, the
0: Christmas hole. Yep. That's my least favorite hole, Max oddly enough.
2: Max <laughs> comes to in his bed. Maybe it was all just a dream. He goes downstairs. It's Christmas Day. Hey, maybe everything's fine. Everybody's being happy, little sussy. I was gonna say, uh,
0: this might be the dream.
2: <laughs> uh, they're unwrapping presents, they're all getting along.
0: Very strange, very unrelatable.
2: And then they all kind of slowly stop and look at each other and realize something isn't right here. Well, that's
0: after Max opens the unmarked gift.
2: That's right. That, that has is the, the bell, bell in it. Yeah. And then the camera zooms out. You see they're caught in this snow globe that just has their house in it in some hell underground dungeon. It's Krampus's workshop. Okay, Krampus's workshop. Where he at- forges
0: his chains and his snow globes, I guess. Yeah,
2: because maybe he has a nice side business with snow globes. There are a bunch of other snow globes with other families and people trapped inside of them. Wait,
0: is the implication that every snow globe in the world is actually a little miniature frozen in time family that has been tortured by Krampus?
2: If we learned anything from the movies we watched and Coraline tells us that that would be true because her parents get stuck in a snow globe like that.
0: Oh my God.
2: But that's about it for your summary.
0: Then we'd better head into the sleigh ride. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Welcome to the sleigh ride, <laughs> also known as the delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Krampus. So, guys, lot to talk about with this film. Oh, yeah. Want to start by saying Krampus is one of my favorite holiday figures. Yeah. Every year, my family used to ask if I would dress up as Santa for the kids, and I would say no. But if they'd asked if I would dress up as Krampus, well.
2: They don't ask. You just provide the service. <laughs> exactly. And scare all the children. So, like, Santa comes in, right? You leave. You get dressed as Krampus. Don't tell anyone what you're doing. Come in. Oh,
0: way ahead of you.
2: Break down the door. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Come in and start yelling that you're going to put all the naughty children in the bags. I guarantee you, you're going to have some wet diapers and shit (laughs) pants.
1: You've got... Rattling chains. You've yep. got a child sized bag. <laughs> yep. You've got an Amazon purchased bottle of sprayable pungent wolf <laughs> urine. <laughs>
0: You're right. Got to have one of those. <laughs> I'll tell you guys. That's I'm not-
2: the way you mark all the bad children.
0: <laughs> In my family, more some of the kids really deserve the Krampus, if you know what I mean.
2: Oh, <laughs> some of the adults, too.
0: <laughs> uh, pretty much all the adults. <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk a little bit about Krampus. For those who might be unfamiliar with the German-Austrian... Legend of this Christmas demon who follows Santa around on Christmas when Santa's out delivering his presents.
2: At one point to the good kids, part of Yule, the Yule tradition. Very
0: likely part of Yule in the Germanic countries and the Nordic countries. Krampus follows Santa around, and while Santa distributes fun gifts to the good children. Krampus finds the bad children, scares them by rattling his chains.
2: Punches them in the face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no,
0: come on. That's not what he does. Okay. He okay. stuffs them in his sack.
2: Oh, there you go. And he kidnaps them <laughs> so much better. So Krampus
0: is this awesome looking demon, goat legged Christmas friend, <laughs> I call him as I call him.
2: He's got one hoof and one regular human foot.
0: In, yeah, not in the movie. I no, don't think. not yeah, in the movie. They, so the the film San, uh, Santa, 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 uh, Krampus, and all of his Yule lads and his looks demons. more
2: like Satan.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but I was gonna say it was created by Weta.
2: Oh yeah, who did all the Lord of the cool. Rings
0: movies and
2: did they do all of the effects and yeah? Oh, cool.
0: So that was why I think that the practical effects in this movie are actually really good for yeah. a 2015 movie at a time when everything had really gone hard digital. Yeah. Like, there is a nice combination of practical and special effects in the movie that I think look pretty good. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to shout that out before we delve too far into the film, because I thought it was neat, and I like that yeah. way it did it, because we love the Lord of the Rings films.
2: And the puppets are nice and wet, too. Yes. Shout out to Scaredy Cats, one of our favorite YouTube channels.
0: That's right. I wonder if they've done Krampus yet. Hopefully not, because we are. (laughs) So now let's get into the movie. I want to start at the very beginning, the opening scene, the horrendous Black Friday opening montage where we see a store where customers are literally beating down the doors and Stampeding into the establishment on Black Friday to actually, it's not even Black Friday. No, is it, it? The
2: timeline doesn't work out because it's like after that event, it's only a few days later that Christmas is like two or three days later. Three days. So this is
0: like the the sh- last shopping days before Christmas.
2: Yeah. I guess.
0: Portrayed in a way that like Black Friday, we often imagine, not even imagine that we see in the literal human news. People doing horrendous things to each other to get bargains, question mark? Yeah. Capitalism, yay?
2: And it's a perfect scene to illustrate the theme of the movie, the loss of the true spirit of Christmas.
0: You mean presents? (laughs) Oh, no, the other thing. Yeah. Togetherness and family.
2: Yeah. And uh, in this movie, they also say it's about giving, sacrifice, and thinking of others.
0: Yeah, yeah, all that bullshit. <laughs> but, yeah, so we have the scene, people trampling each other, getting in the fights, Onlookers watching others suffering and laughing, something that nobody here would ever do.
2: No, not at all.
0: And then that scene is capped by a shot of the family son, Max, the prospective character of the film, getting into a fight with another schoolchild, child. During a school play that they mm-hmm. were putting on, or like a child pageant play inside the superstore, I guess if that's the thing, I don't, I don't understand Midwest slash East Coast the towns. I snowy guess snowy America, snowy yeah. America. I've never lived in snowy America. I live in fire America. Yes, it,
2: that's true. <laughs> um, it's a, a
0: fire biome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a smaller suburb area, so there's town center doesn't seem to be very large, so it might be the only place that has like a gathering space or something. But it's
0: like a Walmart-sized establishment. Yeah. But anyway, so we have this fight between Max and this other kid. When we get home to the Engels residence, we find out that the fight was over. The other kid denying the existence of Santa Claus, Max says... In front of the younger kids. Max was fighting, from his perspective, on behalf of the young children that he doesn't want to lose the mystique of Santa.
2: But it's also a little bit for himself, because he's on the precipice of losing faith. And he's been told that it's not real, but he still wants to believe.
0: And he's still writing letters, very earnest letters, to Santa about his wishes for the holidays. Which... We find out in the dinner party scene a few minutes later in the film, Max is a very selfless kid who isn't asking for anything for himself directly. No no toys, no games, none of the shit that I would have been asking for. (laughs) Yeah, he's asking for the love between his family members to come back.
2: Yeah. Right?
0: It's kind of a heart-wrenching moment because his mean bully cousins have stolen his letter to santa and are reading it kind of in front of everyone
2: you get clues i just kind of want to jump ahead a little bit because we're talking about he wants this love back right so at one point they did have they were a happier family both families together the two sisters families they got along more and each family within a unit within itself as well and a little hard
0: to believe based on some of the character traits
2: well things can sour sure yeah. over time
0: rancid and- bitch
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we get some clues throughout the film of maybe what happened and it was based on a traumatic event the two sisters mother died right in the oh. past and it seems like they never really healed from it and It caused a schism in the family.
0: Yes, and we'll definitely be talking about that trauma and loss as a theme of the movie because Mm -hmm. I think it's super important and there's some great dialogue that offers insights to that. Yeah. But yeah, so Max's cousins, Jordan and Stevie, are two, let's say, um, outdoorsy type young women.
2: Yeah. They're the eldest of his cousins, but the one right after them is Howard Jr., and then Chrissy is the baby,
0: right? So the extended family mm-hmm. are uh, a larger, more we'll say conservative group,
2: but also of a seems to be of a lower socioeconomic status.
0: Yes, but they're also a little bit more uh, traditional in the sense that people in America often use that word, right? Christian values, gun culture, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, right. Yeah, Howard, the the father of that family, expresses uh, kind of disdain for the uh, elitism of Tom and Sarah, mm-hmm. Max's parents. He seems like he's kind of trying to connect to, like, Tom, his brother-in-law. Yeah. But they're just kind of diametrically opposed.
2: And this is a horror comedy, and so... Uh, under the movie-
0: archetypes are broad.
2: Yeah, and like with movie logic, they are just kind of openly explaining their feelings about each other. Right. It's more for comedic effect because it's a movie. Right. That's not really how people speak.
0: <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> people don't talk like in the movies? No. Oh, fuck.
2: Sorry to tell you. Sorry to burst your bubble.
0: I've been living in this Hollywood movie bubble. <laughs>
2: Let me pop that thing.
0: Ouch. (laughs) But yeah, so Stevie and Jordan are, like I said, they're kind of bullies. There is an intonation in Max's letter that their father might have preferred that they had been born male. Mm -hmm. They seem to have some lingering resentment towards Max. They think he's kind of a wussy, nerdy kid. They're, again, more outdoorsy, sporty kids they play football they go camping probably hunting with their dad max is a little bit more of a like suburban kid who gets in the fights over the existence of santa claus
2: but i did have some thoughts about the antagonism between the children sure the two different families because in the letter they also read that howard and linda max's uncle, and aunt, have been having really hard times. Right. And that's hurt their relationship and their family. And Jordan and Stevie, Max's cousins, are children. They're not much older than Max.
0: Right. Young teenagers, maybe Maybe 12 or 13. Yeah.
2: They wouldn't really have a major reason to bully Max. The parents don't seem to be regulating it at all.
0: No, Howard and, just kind of dismisses any kind of antagonistic behavior, and then is also a model of antagonistic behavior towards Tom, in a way.
2: The parents are clearly antagonistic towards the Angles, uh, and Tom and Sarah.
0: Right, and we get the feeling that Linda, the sister of Sarah, Tony Collette's character, probably feels some jealousy or resentment towards Sarah, mm-hmm. and... That probably gets spoken around the house to the kids, and it's going to color their perceptions about their cousin.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say actually, is that they probably are talking about them behind their back, and so the children pick up on that and think they can kind of perpetuate it, or they do.
0: Yeah. There's also like a lot of juxtapositions between the two families. Like Chelsea said, socioeconomic class is a big one. Howard's family. You know, they have four kids. Max says that they're struggling financially, with I think any family with four kids, almost any working class family with four kids would be. Uh Max is an only child. It seems like his parents can afford to, you know, kind of lavish him with a lot of things. The grandmother lives with them, probably is providing childcare for Max. So they're kind of, a they're a much more financially stable family, the angles are. Yeah. Tom and Sarah. So they don't have the same struggles. But in Max's letter, we kind of hear that he feels like his parents have fallen out of love in a way, which is very well, sad.
2: he talks about how they've become estranged. Right. And he wants them to get their solid relationship back.
0: So both sides of the family are struggling with different problems that are affecting their perceptions of themselves and of each other
2: they kind of the way they both react and through the dialogue you get the impression that both sides think they're being judged by the other people
0: and they're both right
2: yeah and that is a major source of the continuing antagonism
0: right but there's another character that we haven't mentioned who's a real wild card if you know what i mean and that is aunt dorothy Yes. yeah Aunt Dorothy is the aunt of Sarah and Linda. She is a, I will say, a typical movie alcoholic. Yeah. Yes. In in the portrayal of this character.
2: She's kind of like one of the comedic relief characters.
0: She is. And I think that there, you know, one could take issues with that. Portrayal, Yeah. I kind of find Dorothy to be one of the most charming characters in the film, but despite I, did, that.
2: Even though, I thought so too, and even though I recognize, like, if I were related to that person and she was throwing those barbs around, I would fucking hate it. But, like, just watching it, it's kind of entertaining.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, alright, so I will go ahead and express my concern with her teaching the teen age and younger children to make peppermint schnapps that is her way of bonding but there's moments where like she has one-on-ones with sarah tony collette's character and like so okay i'll lay the groundwork howard's family brings aunt dorothy without telling sarah and tom yeah and sarah is like horrified when aunt dorothy shows up
2: she doesn't get along with her. She seems to be ashamed of her aunt.
0: Yes, much um, like she is of her sister. It seems like.
2: Yeah, it seems like Tom. We don't know his family except for his mother. Right. And um, maybe he's German. Maybe he doesn't have any other siblings. But they seem to be less colorful. If you <laughs> if you know what I mean, they are uh more stoic. It seems like.
0: I mean, they are German.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, Sarah might be feeling embarrassed because maybe she knows that Tom and his mother aren't used to people just speaking their minds the way her family does.
0: Could very well be the case, yeah. Yeah. Her family are very expressive.
2: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. But that does make some people feel awkward.
0: Yeah, it can create a tense family dynamic. Yeah. If, if two sides of, the, of your family are meeting for the first time and might have very different
2: views
0: or personality types, it because can cause Because they
2: have so many children and one of them is a baby, and they have a dog, and they bring in the aunt, it's like when they come into the house, it's like a tornado of social chaos comes in.
0: Right, because the Engels house, again, it's just... Tom, Sarah, Max, and Omi. Well,
2: and Max's sister, Beth.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I've totally forgotten about Beth this whole time because she leaves at the beginning of the movie and kind of doesn't come back, even though so much of the movie is about finding her at a certain point. I completely forgot. she was a character. Oh, my God. I feel... Really dumb.
2: And it's sad because in Max's letter, like it seemed like he and Sarah used to hang out a lot and really get along, and they've become estranged. She's an older teenager, so... She's all about being with her boyfriend, you know? Which
0: That's why sense. I thought she wasn't there, because she doesn't want to be there. <laughs> she wants to go hang out and get high with her boyfriend.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It sort of reminds me
1: of a point that I wanted to touch on that's not exactly a, a new conversation topic, but the idea of Santa being like a training wheels version of God for children.
2: Right.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. Let's talk about that.
1: Well, Santa is like a spirit out there. Now,
0: can you start by letting listeners know who are not familiar with Santa who Santa is?
1: Well, Santa's the fella that gives you presents if you've been good throughout the year, but gives you coal if you've been bad.
0: Which, these days, actually good investment. Being bad might be more profitable than being good. That's true. But Santa, right? (laughs) It's the
1: spirit out there. A spirit that watches you all year long. Oh my god. Measuring the morality of your actions into good or
0: bad. Now, in the... Christmas train episode we did last year on the Polar Express, we talked about the North Pole as the panopticon where all the children of the world are constantly being monitored, surveilled, and surveilled. That's right. Santa judges you
1: based on your good or bad actions yeah. and either gives you something good or gives you something bad.
0: Now, of course, good and bad in the subjective view of this powerful godlike figure. Right, that's correct. So, what are Santa's commandments? <laughs> uh, be good for goodness' sake. <laughs> and, but uh, also another <laughs> thing, <laughs> we, it, it's like dark souls. We have to listen to all the Christmas songs to unpack the like little bits of Santa lore yeah. to figure out what he wants. Mm-hmm. It's true. But you get gifts if you're good, and coal if you're bad,
1: and. Is that, like, a reference to, like, burning hell for children? Coal?
0: Oh my god, maybe. Or is
2: that class struggle because you need coal to light a fire to have in your hearth to keep your house warm for the winter? And if you're poor, you're more likely to get creative with the rules, probably.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And if you're poor, you might have to go mine for coal. Instead of getting gifts, you get a job. Yeah. But the thing is, right? Oh, my God. Let's focus on Santa giving you fiery brimstone of hell if you're bad, right? Yeah, let's focus on that fun take. Because if Santa is God for children, right? Yes. Then Krampus is Satan for children, right? I'm, I'm on board.
2: Because he takes you children specifically away in his sack if they've been naughty.
0: It's true. It's a more severe punishment than getting a lump of coal, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And it's mainly like an Austrian and German tradition, right?
0: Correct, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Also, Krampus, like we said, a lot of goat-like features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The horns. Long tongue. The hoof. The In this movie, Krampus has the horizontal pupils. Yes. Yeah. The rectangular yeah. pupils.
2: Like a goat.
1: Yeah. So that's why Max is a Christmas witch. Oh,
2: oh my God. Hear that's me cool. out. Here
0: Does he know. have a Krampus pact? It's the bell, right? Oh. Now look, Max. spell spellcasting focus.
1: Max loved his family.
0: The spirit of Christmas was dead for everyone
1: else already.
0: He loved his family so much, he sacrificed his only son, Santa.
2: I just want to give a little example of this, what you're saying, Jack, how the rest of the family has lost the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. Besides all the infighting, there's one specific example in the beginning after they get home from the fight in the mall, and- Max is asking his family before their extended family gets there, like, well, aren't we gonna wrap presents together and watch Christmas movies? I, I really wanted to watch Charlie Brown together. His dad says, Your punishment is doing that alone.
0: Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Whoa, shit. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Oh, poor Max. Max is such a sweet kid. I know. So sweet.
2: What kind of a punishment is that? By the just way, just a depressing one? <laughs> It's like, why would you use that as the punishment?
0: I mean, I think, I feel like Tom is trying to be glib.
2: No, nobody does it with him. Except for Omi, the grandmother. Well, she she knows the
0: cost of not believing in Christmas. She does. All too well.
2: But anyway, this was an example of what you're saying.
0: Yeah, very
1: True. Well, I think the intention in that scene might be that they weren't going to do it anyway. And this is just an excuse. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because a few shots later we see like Tom just sitting alone in his study, adding expensive booze into his coffee.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, he feels estranged from the family.
1: So everyone is in a really bad spot. Yeah. There's not feeling the love, the merry spirit. Bad vibes only in this household. It's true. Max is the one who says, all right, I know I'm a little old and Santa might or might not exist, but I'm holding out that hope, right? That faith in Santa. I'm going to write this letter. I love my family. I want them to be back together, right? That's like the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. He's not asking for gifts like we said. He loves his family. That's the spirit of Christmas. But they fuck it up. And and then it's when that last faithful person says, I wish my family was like, fuck them. You know, right. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: Max saying, I wish that Christmas was canceled. I think he said something like that.
1: Yeah. And uh, he is the one, the most faithful one losing their faith that yeah. summons Christmas Satan. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. It's true.
1: And so he's the one that made the wish, the pact with Krampus, and Krampus delivered a boon, the bell, and killed Max's family. <laughs> <laughs> abducted. Abducted.
2: I think he said something about he wished they would all go away.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a Home Alone style wish.
2: Yeah. And so Krampus answered his wish. <laughs> it's
0: a real yeah. monkey's paw scenario. <laughs> yeah. What's
1: thou like to live merrily?
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so we see at the end of Omi's story, which is animated and pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, nice stylistic shift to create a flashback.
2: That Krampus spared her. She also had a pact with him. He mm-hmm. doesn't. He doesn't harm his faithful. (laughs) No.
0: Oh my.
2: He was going to let Max go and keep Max's family. But Max learned from Omi's story and decided not to take that road.
0: Now, let's just, I want to stop here for a minute and talk about the lore of this film. Because it is fucking wild that Omi is the sole survivor of an entire German village gone missing. Yeah, this is like what 1930s Germany, yeah. like height of the depression. She said people were like fighting children in the streets over food, basically, yeah. Yeah. like like stealing food from starving children in the streets. This is this must have been after World War One when Germany was in this horrendous depression and yeah. and the Deutschmark was basically valueless.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: A million Deutschmark mark is what you'd have to spend on like a loaf of bread. Right. She's from a town where every other person disappears. So I also want to know the follow up. Does she just like go to the next town over and say, my village is gone. Does somebody come and authorities come and like investigate the town? Is there a trial? Is there an investigation? Uh-huh. What? Like, how did she leave that situation to enter another society and then, like, grow up to have her own family and children and grandchildren?
2: I know. Did she grow up in an orphanage? Was there extended family somewhere else? Like, we don't know.
0: How do you explain an entire town gone missing?
2: Yeah, I know. And I mean, at that point, she knows the consequences of disbelieving.
0: She's
1: damned an entire group. An entire place. And she
0: basically lets Max do the same thing. Is Omi in on all this? She stays behind to fight Krampus or hold off Krampus, but I don't know. I guess she does do a lot of things to try to ward the house against Krampus, like keep the fire lit and everything.
2: Yeah, the fire is like the family's totem against the Christmas demon.
0: But is she like the unwitting harbinger of Krampus?
2: I think that... She tries to keep the Christmas spirit alive. She's making all the Christmas cookies. She tries to help Max. She tri- She asks him about his letter to Santa. Like right. she tries to keep it alive in him.
0: Good point. Okay, but she So keeps- she's the uh the vanguard. She's the last bastion against Krampus's inevitable return.
2: You'd think that she would have at least, since she's there helping raise the kids, that she would have at least told the kids about these stories. As would happen in a family situation like that. I
0: guess so. Yeah, my family had some pretty wild stories they told kids.
2: So it's kind of strange that Max didn't know about the implications of not believing.
0: (laughs) Also,
1: if she had told Max, and Max's belief in Santa was based on Krampus, well, that doesn't exactly count, right? Fear of Krampus doesn't mean love for Santa. Right. Right? Uh oh. Mary are those who have been jolly and have not seen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't believe just because you're afraid of the of being punished.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the American way, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's why she didn't say
0: anything. Yeah.
2: Touche, Jack.
0: It's just wild to me that We have a character in this film who is the sole survivor of an entire town's massacre. Yeah. And that's not a bigger part of the story. She never even brings it up with her own children.
2: It's the first time everybody else is hearing about it.
0: (laughs) It's like, oh, I mean, okay, I guess on the one hand, as the survivor of trauma, she did not feel comfortable sharing these stories with anybody because she didn't think anyone would believe her until they start to see the signs themselves. Right. Because by the time Krampus shows up, he seems to clear out the entire town. Yeah. Like, in a matter of hours.
2: Yeah, the rest of the town is definitely fucked.
0: So, (laughs) as we said earlier, Beth, who I completely forgot about... (laughs) Goes to stay with her boyfriend for Christmas Eve or whatever. Oh, no, not even Christmas Eve. A few days before Christmas.
2: Yeah, because that's when it all started and she couldn't get a hold of him. Their cell service was down.
0: So when Howard and Tom go looking for Beth, they arrive at her boyfriend's house and find it in ruins.
2: Yeah. Like something
0: has clearly come down the chimney and broken through, which we learn later is it must have been Krampus yeah. exploded the chimney exactly. Krampus moves at the speed that Santa would have to move at to deliver presents to all the children of the world yeah. in a single night. He just destroys this town.
2: Mm-hmm. They
0: find a gingerbread man knifed to the refrigerator.
2: So somebody was fighting back. <laughs> yeah, somebody's
0: fighting back. Howard goes, "Wow, what twisted person would do this?" <laughs> And then I think he eats a piece of the gingerbread man. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, so Krampus is toying with the angles.
2: Yeah, he saves them for last,
0: and then like that's why
2: they survive. And draws for days. it
0: out for days
2: because Max lives there, and he's the he's the new patron. So, or he's I mean, the but, new uh, witch. Yeah, but I mean, so, here's yes. what I understand:
0: the um, Omi keeps the fire lit to keep Krampus out. She knows that the fire will keep out Krampus and his monsters.
2: At least for a time. Are they
0: really the only family in the entire neighborhood who has a fire in a snowy, like, suburban area?
2: It's hard to believe.
0: I mean, maybe they're not burning a fire 24 hours a day. Maybe that That's was the true. problem. That's true. Yeah. Mm. As soon as they let their guard down...
2: It's true. As soon as the fire got low in the Angles' house at one point, one of the nights... um Krampus's helpers come down to, uh...
0: Exact uh, dark revenge. Yes. Against the unbelievers.
2: Yeah, you'll have to watch the movie to see what happens, but yeah.
0: Just some light kidnapping.
1: (laughs) I think maybe to transition to one of the nicer themes in this movie is... Sibling rivalry. Well, uh, there is that. But uh, coming together through crisis. Yes. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. Because the movie begins with the family in despair, estranged with high tensions. Yeah. But the worse things get, the sort of like more their character is tested, their yes. metal. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of respect starts forming between previous rivals and a lot of reevaluation of how much affection you have for someone comes out.
0: Yes, absolutely. I want to talk about that because there's a few great examples in the movie where I think they do a good job of establishing that and doing a lot of showing and not telling.
2: Yeah, I mean, people seem to start rearranging their priorities.
0: So, like, one thing that I really like... That I thought was a good bit of storytelling is the antagonism between Tom and Howard. Yes. For some reason, Howard gives Tom a lot of shit for having been an Eagle Scout, which I would think that he would respect.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem to totally fly for me.
0: But I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'd maybe maybe Howard served in the military and he thinks that was more valuable than mm-hmm. scout training or whatever. But he's making fun of Tom for being a scout Later on, after they've kind of gone out, they've gone and shared some trauma looking for Beth and been through a really harsh time, they're starting to connect and they're starting to to like each other more. These Mm -hmm. two guys from these two very different socioeconomic classes and political alignments probably. So Howard gets attacked by a creature in the snow and his leg is just torn to shit. Yeah. Tom saves Howard from the monster and comes brings him back to the house and uses his eagle scout skills to clean, dress and suture the wounds and yeah. and to basically probably save, save that, Howard's that leg. leg. Yeah. And so suddenly like Howard's whole perspective towards Tom changes because he sees that Tom's skills are valuable.
2: And he saved his life.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> that too, sure. Because
2: it was below zero out there if Somehow, Howard had gotten away from this creature, he still probably would have frozen to death because he wouldn't have made it back by himself.
0: Yeah. So, they really go out and have this intense bonding experience where they build a lot of respect for each other because they had to literally watch each other's backs in insane circumstances. Yeah.
2: So, there's another example of when the family kind of starts to come together in times of adversity uh, the two sisters, Sarah and Linda, the two moms of the different families, they start to form new bonds after they've been quarantined in their house f- from this severe storm that's going on outside.
0: Oh, I and- wonder what that would be like.
2: <laughs> and uh, they're kind of trying to deal with the anxiety and trying to come to terms with each other. And they start looking at, they're looking at the Christmas tree talking about each other's children and stuff. And then Linda notices that Sarah had the tree, the angel tree topper that belonged to their mother and that she kept some ornaments of the two of them when they were children. She's like, oh, you still have mom's tree topper and you kept all of this stuff. And, um, she, that seems to be heartwarming to Linda, like. Well, oh, maybe Sarah does still care.
0: Yeah, she seems to kind of view her sister as cold and detached.
2: And then Sarah says, yeah, I figured it's what mom would have done. And so then Linda's like kind of looking at her sister in a new light. Like, oh, I guess she does care about what happened to mom and our family. And she does have feelings about it. <laughs> and it seems to their relationship shifts after that. They are start to get more supportive towards one another.
0: Again, bonding through shared trauma.
2: Yeah. But also with, like, evidence that they care about one another and actually having contact around one another helps.
0: Yeah, well, they get a chance to have some perspective about what's going on and and to kind of look at the situation through the lens of, you know, we're going through this traumatic experience and this might be all of our last Christmases. We'd better... Maybe mend some fences.
2: Yeah. And at the end, too, when they're running away from the monsters and they've left the house, and it's only Max and his cousin Jordan left.
0: And their their respective mothers.
2: Well, yeah, their mothers get picked off pretty quickly, though. And it's just the two of them left.
0: But their mothers sacrifice themselves for their children to make a route for escape. The
2: true spirit of Christmas. So, um, that's what they meant, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's when monsters are attacking you and you sacrifice yourself so your loved one's can escape. Exactly. That's a so- great metaphor for Christmas with my family.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, Max and... My
0: family is Krampus.
2: Ah, I see. <laughs> so, Max and Stevie or Jordan, I forget which one's which, they're in the car together and Jordan and Stevie... Whoever's left there. I forget. Uh, Let's
0: call them Jeevy.
2: Jeevy. Says to Max. Storden? You know, come on, we have to go. We have to get away. And she's not belittling him. She seems to be feeling solidarity with him. Like, we have to keep moving on together. Well, we also
0: see this other side of her that is, while she puts on a tough bullying facade early in the movie, we are reminded that she's just a kid.
2: And she's showing her vulnerability here
0: yeah something that it seems like she and her sister feel encouraged to hide because of their father's machismo machismo
1: yes (laughs) oh how your childish ego falls away in the face of sheer evil (laughs) (laughs) that's fair
2: oh god
0: does that require trigger warning (laughs) i feel it could (laughs) I mean, this movie could require a trigger warning (laughs) for family drama, at least. It's a horror movie. It is. You know what you're getting into. (laughs) It is. So I want to talk about the fact that it's a horror movie, because I think one of the real tonal issues of this film is the standard horror movie tonal issue of, oh my god, somebody that we love was just like taken by a monster gosh we're sad oh well let's move on yeah i mean i have never been in a situation where krampus has come to my house and started picking off my family members one by one
2: there's always next year
0: there's always this year
2: yeah that too
0: but they kind i mean like yeah they like they start out like the first person to go is beth and they're all really freaked out And then, like, the next person is taken, and they're like, oh, that's a bummer. And, like, it seems like each and every time they they cope with it pretty well. And, again, I think this is just a tonal issue that a lot of horror movies have, probably by necessity given the content of a lot of these movies.
2: Well, they might be in shock, too. People can become kind of a nerd, at least temporarily, to trauma if it's happening in too much rapid succession yeah the adrenaline's
0: still going
2: and that just kind of means to me that they stopped processing it which means which could mean they're in shock that's fair Mm -hmm. so maybe it is realistic i don't know
0: (laughs) hopefully nobody knows yeah Remember Somebody. to keep your faith in Christmas huh? <laughs> and yeah. keep those fireplaces lit. If you don't or whatever holiday you follow. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This, of course, like many Western films, perpetuates a very strong belief in very specific Eurocentric worldviews and Christian and Christian. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of diversity in this film. No. I mean, granted, there are some fun Christmas legends and monsters and stuff, and it tends to make for fun movies. Yeah. So before we move on, I want to ask you guys a question. Because there's a lot of really fun Weta monsters in this movie based on toys and Christmas decorations. And I want to know what your guys' favorites are.
2: The elves. No question.
0: The Yule Lads.
2: The Yule Lads, they have all of these awesome, scary masks. They're carved out of wood. They're rough hewn, but still with some cool detail to them. It's kind of a mixture of style. And then some of them are painted with like almost rough war paint.
0: Yeah, so good.
2: Yeah. And they never take them off. (laughs) <laughs> Which is better. I mean,
0: why would you? Yeah.
2: And uh, they are wearing all these cool furs and stuff, and they're mischievous. I love those guys.
0: They're a lot of fun.
2: And the head elf, who's kind of like the leader, maybe Krampus's lieutenant or something, he has a mask that's like Krampus's face with the tongue hanging out. Do you think everything.
0: that's butter licker or mm-hmm. door slammer?
2: <laughs> Boot licker.
0: Sheep <laughs> harasser. Yes. You mean that Yarl from Beowulf? Yeah. Oh my
2: gosh! <laughs> <laughs> it Jamie
0: always done, comes back.
2: Jimmy
1: done did it. Yep. <laughs> That's hype. Oh, but uh the spirit uh the spirit helper that I liked was uh the snow people.
2: Oh. Oh very cool.
1: Previously snow men, but you know. I don't know how they identify that's, snow people. That's a good way yeah. to, to frame it. They're scary.
0: They're very scary.
1: And they're so cool. Yeah, they're in they so
0: sub- they're made of snow. Yes. They're very cool.
1: Some of the one I really liked was the one that was in sort of the scarecrow position with its arms sort of crooked downward at the elbow.
2: It was awesome.
1: Very cool.
2: And you start to notice that they seem to be representations. Of the people that have gone missing in the town. Yes. You start to get your first inkling of that. Like, as more and more, they notice more and more houses are going dark, That more and more snow people start to show up. Yes. yes. And then, after they lose Howard Jr., they see a snowman with his hat and, and scarf on.
0: Yes. A, very a snow child. <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. epic. Yeah. Yeah, those snow people are very awesome. Yeah. Yep. I really liked the angel. Yeah, The evil, like, twisted angel with the runic glyphs on their forehead. Yeah. Like a binding seal.
2: Looked like an angel toy version of Chucky's Bride.
0: Yes, it was so cool. Yeah. So many creative monsters in this. Totally. I mean, the jack in the box is also super creepy with the distended jaw that, Mm -hmm. like, segments and opens up so that they can just, like, eat entire people.
2: These all come out of the boxes that were the gifts the family brought.
0: Yes. A twisted inversion of what is supposed to be a joyous holiday. It is a mockery of the traditions of Christmas. Get this.
2: Well, it kind of is an example of the capitalist version of the holidays.
0: You're
1: exactly right, Chelsea. It is the (laughs) capitalist thing because they got it through consumerism and it consumed one of them. Many of them, it seems Mm -hmm. like. Many of them. Get it? It eats
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying that capitalism chews us up and spits us out when it's done with us. Yep. This sounds like class struggle to me. It's true. Then again, we've already talked a lot about class struggle in this film.
2: (laughs) This whole film is about class struggle. Yeah, it's
0: basically the basis of the film, which, of course, is why we know it's a fantasy movie. Yeah. How we know it's a fantasy movie. Yeah, that's
1: right. We're calling you out. Not you, listeners. Get out of the way. The capitalist behind you.
2: (laughs) Oh, yep. He was hiding there the whole time.
0: Ah, it was me all along. I would have gotten away with it too if it was not you fucking satirists. Yeah.
1: You look exactly like I pictured you to look capitalism, you son of a bitch. Is it the Monopoly guy? Uh, yeah. Or the Peanut guy.
0: Ah, fuck that Mr. Peanut asshole.
1: Baby Peanut?
0: No. No, I refuse. Is that a living meme? That's it. It's time to head into the workshop. Welcome to the workshop, normally called The Smithy, where we forge a rating for this movie after we each share an epic moment or feature from the film. Chelsea, do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from 1 to 10 sharpened candy canes?
2: Yes, I do. I'm going to say my epic feature is Toni Collette.
0: Of course you are. Yeah. Because
2: she's a great actor and... Everything I've seen her in, she's been a mom.
0: Always a mom, never a mom's maid. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, my
1: brain.
2: (laughs) And she always does a really good job. And I never feel like she's just rehashing an old character. It always feels unique. And she always brings her. Unique fire to the role, though, and she has this amazing capacity to express emotions very deeply and intensely, and I appreciate that. So, she's my epic feature.
0: Let me ask you a question about that. Which of her movie roles is more triggering for you, this or hereditary? Which one stabs closer to home? Oh,
2: God. I mean, probably (laughs) this one, but, like, in Hereditary, it's just, like, so painful. I I was, like, (laughs) weeping with her when she was weeping in that one scene.
0: But this movie hurts your soul,
2: right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, it's pretty devastating in Hereditary. But she hurts my mind in Knives Out.
2: Her (laughs) character in that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's fair. Torturous.
2: Also yeah. a mother. Yep. So, I mean, I love this movie. We've seen it four times now. We saw I'm, this
0: movie in theaters when it was new.
2: Yeah, I can't get enough of it. I really love how the family is kind of, has a lot of strife, but they want to get along. It's not always something that you see in a media. Um, A lot of shows or movies that I've seen, like if there's strife in a family, it seems like the characters revel in that and feed off of it. And these characters want to get back to some kind of equilibrium with one another. And I thought that was kind of neat. It was different. And uh, yeah, the the effects, the practical effects are a lot of fun. And yeah. It's just great. So I'm going to give this... An 8 out of 10 sharpened candy canes. It's just a lot of fun.
0: Very nice.
2: And I'm cool if we make this a holiday tradition of watching this movie.
0: And we'll cover
1: it every year on the show. Oh, boy. (laughs) Haven't we watched it at least the last two years?
0: I think so.
2: And we've showed it to other people, so.
0: Yeah. All right, Jack, how about you? What's your epic moment or feature? And then your rating from 1 to 10 sharpened candy canes.
1: Well, I think I touched on it a bit, but my epic feature has got to be the summoning ritual for Krampus. Oh, my God. Because, well, Krampus comes when the last person loses hope in the holiday spirit, right?
2: Yeah. But how does Max do it?
1: Well, Max rips, uh, rips up his letter and throws it in the fire and says, I want my family fucked, right? Well, he
2: throws it out into the wind.
0: Oh, he does.
2: And the wind picks it up and carries it into the moon.
0: Whoa. Takes it to the South Pole. (laughs) Yeah. Which I guess is where I'm saying Krampus lives.
2: But see, it is a witch. Because he's an
0: inversion of Santa. It
2: is a witchy ritual. It involves the elements and the moon power.
0: Yeah. Very true. Krampus, original witch.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: But you're absolutely right. It is a great ritual. But I just love the concept that when we see it in the grandma and Max, it's a very good spirited, kind hearted, young person, a kid who is just holding out that hope for love and that spark for community for as long as possible until everyone extinguishes it. And then Krampus comes a sort of righteous holiday vengeance. Yeah. As we
0: all deserve.
1: Yes. Uh, The face of sheer Christmas evil. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it was just, it, it hit pretty hard seeing that 1930s, like, really impoverished that kid just trying to hold on to the love of community and family as long as they can. Yeah. It not working. And then the same thing happening with Max. Imagine how the grandma feels, like we said seeing Max, this really good kid, just getting beat down by the ones he loves the most. It was a pretty, like, intense theme, and I thought it was pretty good. The movie is very fun and goofy, but I thought it was nice to have that one, like, serious, like, character you can really believe in. And it's a little kid. So, That's I'm, sweet. A, yeah. So, I was a fan of that. Uh, kind of too bad he summoned Krampus to kill an entire (laughs) kidnap a bunch of people. But, uh, yeah, if I had to rate this movie, and I do, you do. Here I am. Here I am. Yep. The satire police are here. And, uh, well, satire enforcer. No, that's worse. (laughs) Anyway. Let's not beat around the bush. I'm going to give this movie 8 out of 10 sharpened candy cane shivs. Just like you, Chelsea.
2: Nice. You're in the 8 out of 10 game.
1: I'm feeling it's losing a little bit of candy cane swirls. Because, well, uh, some of the pacing was a little wild. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, perhaps it was shock that they didn't mourn or anything like that. But I think the... It really delivered on, like, showing people different political opinions, finding a way to love each other. Keep in and mind this movie is from 2015. It's true. We still need it. We still need that message in movies. Yep. But, uh, just like the message that Nazis are bad guys. Oh, boy. It's mm-hmm.
2: true. Yeah, yeah. God
1: damn it. Yeah. But, uh, there we go. I like this movie a lot. I'm happy to have seen it at least three times. Eight out of ten sharpened candy canes. What about you there, Jamie? What is your epic moment under feature and candy cane rating out of (laughs) ten?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked. And thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I think my epic feature is going to be one that I don't think I appreciated enough in my previous views of this film, but I've already talked about them, and it is Aunt Dorothy. Yeah! Yeah. Like I said earlier, I found her in this watch-through to be kind of charming. She's a little rougher on the edges. She is seemingly a black sheep of the family. Yeah. Linda doesn't want her to be alone for the holiday, so clearly she has either burned some bridges or maybe lost a partner Something has happened where she lives alone. Linda is trying to extend an olive branch. Sarah is bitter at first, but can't really say anything. And there's a scene early on when Sarah goes into the kitchen, when there's a stressful moment at the dinner table to make dessert for people. Aunt Dorothy comes in for a drink because, as we said, she is portrayed in a problematic alcoholic style for a film. And that's used to comic relief, which isn't great, Mm. but it is a movie trope. But she's kind of needling Sarah about making desserts that (laughs) give her constipation and things like that. Yeah. And then, then Sarah lashes out. Yeah. Maybe understandably.
2: She does belittle her for her living conditions of living in a trailer park, which is very cruel.
0: Right. Sarah's being very classist. Yeah. And Aunt Dorothy really shifts in that moment and says, Sarah, I'm not, like, I'm just giving you a hard time. Like, I don't want you to think that I don't care about you, kind of. is like the tone of what she said. I don't remember the exact words, but the tone is very hurt.
2: She was like, Sarah, I didn't mean anything.
0: Right. And Sarah kind of doesn't take the opportunity to patch things up up because she's hurting, too. It's very understandable. Mm -hmm. Because they have this complicated relationship. Mm -hmm. but i liked that about dorothy where she does she is the one who's like i'm willing to
2: yeah
0: like just kind of patch things up if you are and then later on in one of my favorite moments in the movie aunt dorothy has got the shotgun blasting gingerbread men yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and protecting the family yeah showing like she's one of the best shots. Yeah. And she's helping contribute because she's kind of, again, this comic relief character in a way, but then she gets this moment of agency and action. And by the time that she is taken away by the Yule Lads, everybody wants to protect Aunt Dorothy. Yeah. And she's really like kind of built up this charming relationship with them. So she is my epic feature. Also, she's portrayed by the wonderful actress Conchata Farrell, who passed away last year, sadly. Right. So this right. is uh my epic moment is all uh, what I probably would have given it to her anyways, but it's also a little way of honoring the actor who played her. Nice. Yes. Yeah. As far as my rating goes, I'd already planned to give this film eight out of ten. Sharpened candy cane. So clearly, we were all really tuned in and in sync with this okay, film. Okay, there you go. I really do like this movie a lot. It is very, very fun. For all, for any of its flaws, we didn't even talk about the ending. Oh my god,
2: we we mentioned
0: we it. mentioned the ending, but the ending is kind of this weird cop out, disappointing thing. Where it's like, oh, they're like all back together, but they're in this like. Snow globe realm. It has neat implications, but it's kind of a weird cop-out that leaves a lot of questions. Okay,
2: they can never leave home, but it's a nice, cushy house with plenty of space, and they have all the food there.
0: It's like this weird middle-class dream reality that they're stuck in. (laughs) Well, it's like hell for children. Being stuck with your family?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I I mean, (laughs) well, since Krampus is like kids satan okay they're in like yeah. kids hell
2: okay which isn't okay. as bad
1: as like hell <laughs> you know right. jesus i don't know if i like where this is going i didn't come up with christmas <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the ending might fall a little bit short there might be some tonal issues and some pacing issues but overall it's a really fun Christmas comfort movie for me, and I really do enjoy watching it every year, much like watching Die Hard on Christmas Day. It's something I look forward to every year. So, yeah, this is a fun tradition. It's a very fun movie. I strongly suggest everyone give it a watch because I think you'll enjoy it for its campy wonderment. Yeah. It's fun. And also, there's really cool monsters in it. Yeah. Cool monsters. (laughs) <laughs> but hey, that'll pretty much do it for us here at Swords and Satire for another holiday episode. If you enjoyed the show, maybe consider following us on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can keep up with all of us, the movies we're watching, check out some memes, and just connect with us, the satirists.
2: Yeah, and if you have the means and you want to support the show... You can go to patreon.com swordsandsatire, join one of our patron tiers and gain access to cool bonus content like rewriting history episodes, our movie pitches, and voting on movies we watch each month.
0: That's our Christmas wish.
1: Yes, but if this holiday season you don't have the funds to send toward your favorite satirists... Why not gather around the fireplace, grab a cup of eggnog with the family Ooh. and your friends? Non-alcoholic eggnog, of course. Of course.
2: That's called egginoggy.
1: And that fire log you're burning better be recycled. Recycled wood, that is. And you're going to use the charcoal to fertilize the ground, putting carbon back into the earth and not the atmosphere as much. But anyway, <laughs> of course. Of course. Instead of a Christmas or holiday movie, you could sit around with your family and listen to Christmas holiday swords and satire
2: episodes.
0: It could be your new Christmas tradition.
2: If you're into that kind of thing.
0: And remember, never drink hot chocolate because that's what they serve on the Polar Express. All right. Well, until next time. Hail Hail Krampus. Krampus!
1: Be holidays to you, stranger.
2: (laughs) Yeah!
0: Christmas witch. Mm -hmm. Wouldst thou like to live merrily? (laughs) Hell yes.